Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and welcome to episode 282 with Neen James. I think you'll enjoy this chat with Neen because we are talking about attention and what does it take to pay attention wisely and well. So you'll learn one, how 15 minutes per day can change everything. Two, strategies for selecting the worthiest of goals. And three, how we often fail to pay good attention to people. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcripts or the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep282. Now here's Neen's story. Neen James is the author of Folding Time and now Attention Pays. She's been named one of the top 30 leadership speakers by Global Guru several years in a row because of her work with companies such as Viacom, Comcast, and Abbott Pharmaceuticals. Neen brings boundless energy, a quick wit, and powerful strategies for paying attention to what matters. And she shares how to get more done and create more significant moments at work and home. Big thanks to Neen for sharing her time with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Neen. Neen, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. G'day. What a privilege to be on your show. I love this podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, it's so fun to be chatting. Boy, we, we met in person couple of years ago in Orlando. And uh, my, how the time flies. My goodness, that was several years ago. Your memory is incredible. Oh, well, you were very memorable. Oh. <laughs> ah, <laughs> you're sweet. <laughs> that'll, that'll definitely get you points, just for the record. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, well we, can, we can flatter each other, but uh, I, I want to kind of get, get going a little bit. So tell us, I learned about you that you love fast cars. What's the story here? Oh my gosh, I love speed and I love the glamour of things like F1. So Formula One cars that are insane, right? So I love the speed, I love the precision, I love the excitement, and I love driving fast cars too. So I love watching them and I also love driving them. So now do you drive these fast cars? How, how where do you drive them where you can drive them fast enough where you just sort of make do with uh, the speed limit suggestions? Yeah, I'm so fortunate to not get too many speeding tickets. But I do, <laughs> my, my husband and I live in a beautiful part of Pennsylvania called Bucks County, and they have some stunning roads. And it's not even about necessarily the speed in the back road speed. It's about how beautiful the journey is. But I do love being in a love with a gorgeous fast car too. Interesting. Have you seen the, the Netflix series, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just wondered, who is this for? Like, who likes all of those things? I like comedians. I like cars. And I like coffee. Here's the show for me. For you and me, that okay. show is perfect. I guess they did their research. Netflix, they're, they're good with their data. Hopefully, we're going to get the director of consumer insights shortly on the program. <laughs> we'll see. We've been back and forth. So... But, uh, well, very cool. So speaking of the use of attention, uh, how's that for a segue from Netflix? you got this book coming out called Attention Pays. Very clever, rather than pay attention, attention pays. So tell us, uh, what's, what's the main idea and, and what's it all about? Why is it important? The reason it's so important, Pete, let's start with that, is because we're living in this time where we are more distracted than we've ever been before. Technology's changed the pace at which we work, and we feel what I call in the book the over-trilogy, which is overwhelmed, overstressed, 
and overtired. And so many of our listeners can relate to at least one or all of those things. And what I realized is we can't manage time, but we can manage our attention. So what I created through the research and interviews and all my speeches and all the great time I get to spend with my clients and in my executive mentoring, I realized that we pay attention three ways. Personally, it's about who we pay attention to, and that's being thoughtful. Professionally, it's about what we pay attention to, and that's being productive. And globally, it's about how we pay attention in the world, and that's about being responsible. Personally, professionally, and globally. And the book shares hundreds of strategies that every person in their professional career And it doesn't matter if they are working inside a big organization like so many of your listeners or whether they work for themselves. This will apply. Okay. Well, well, Neen, boy, are you a keynoter for chance? Laying it out in three key elements. You better sounds, believe it. All right, all right. <laughs> well, so, okay, well, I'm intrigued uh, to dig into each of those. But first, I'd love it if maybe you could orient us a bit in terms of you mentioned the technology, you know, it's happening and things are changing and it's, it's fast paced and all this information and all that. Sure. I guess I, I'm curious to hear just what kind of a difference does it make if you are a master of your attention versus you're, I guess, at the mercy of, you know, whoever wants your attention. Let me give you an example of one of my clients. I have the privilege of working with Comcast and I was with a leadership team. And what we decided to do was we decided to set them a challenge. Could they invest 15 minutes in a strategic appointment with themselves every day to master their own attention, identify their top three, not negotiable activities that before their head hits the pillow tonight, what's their three. And the reason we did this with this leadership team is they were responsible for a very large budget with a very large team. And we realized that their attention was being pulled in hundreds of directions. I'm sure your listeners can relate to that. What was fascinating about this particular case study that we did was every single leader told me as a result of investing their attention for 15 minutes a day, their team development went up, their sales went up, and they became the top performing team in the region. This is amazing to me in their company, my apologies. What's amazing to me is that that 15 minutes, which we all could invest, right? 15 minutes is 15 minutes we can find in our calendar. They learn to master a strategic appointment with themselves. And I love that idea of just that one 15 minute appointment every day. And that way too, you know what your most important things are that you do today. So it drives your productivity and it holds you personally accountable for the results. Well, Nina, I can't let that go. So 15 minutes a day made a transformational difference for these folks. So you must unpack it for us. What's happening during these 15 minutes? Sort of what's the prescription? tell you how I do mine, Pete, and this might help the listeners as well. For me, what I do is I make my coffee and I sit down with my, it's a pretty fancy system. I use a post-it note, admittedly. And what I do on that post-it note is I write at the top, today I will. And then I determine what are three things that I absolutely must achieve today. Now, these three things will move me closer to my goals. So for example, if you work for a company, chances are you have objectives you're being measured on on a quarterly or annual basis. It's a really great idea to identify activities that are going to bring you closer to those particular goals. If you are a leader who is managing a team of people, no doubt your team has responsibilities that you as the leader need to guide them on. So what are three things you could do today that would move those projects or objectives or results forward? What this 
does, Pete, is it becomes a decision filtering system, meaning every time you want to get distracted, every time someone walks into your office, every time you're tempted to go on social media, you look at your three things. Now, I deliberately write them on a post-it note, and I'll tell you why. I can carry that silly little post-it note with me all day. And it's a visual reminder of where my attention needs to be invested. As opposed to some of us, I've tried electronic to-do lists. I've tried apps. I've tried written to-do lists. It's the one thing that I seem to be able to stick to. But here's the other thing. Stick to. (laughs) (laughs) I love being able to cross things off. And I wonder if you've got people on that podcast who will admit that they write things on a to-do list just so they can cross them off, right? Absolutely. That's the example I use in Myers-Briggs workshops for judging preference. Yes. because we want to know something we did today mattered. And if you simplify your day by what we call prioritizing your priorities into those top three not negotiables, you'll have a much stronger chance of achieving them. Do you remember when Pete Shankman was on the show and he talked about eliminating all the choices. He has such a fantastic way of seeing the world and managing with such a fast brain that he has. But I believe too, that we have to be able to get super clear on what's important today. Otherwise, everyone will very happily take all the time and attention you want to give them, but that doesn't get you closer to your goals. Understood. So, Nina, I think my challenge with this is, well, hey, I'm looking at one right now. So I've got a sheet and I have listed a dozen things and I feel pretty good. They're all done. Now I'm just chatting with cool people like you, you know, for the rest of the day. So I'd love to get your take on prioritization is is hard. You know, like writing three things is a lot harder than writing 13 things. So what are Mm -hmm. some of your, your pro tips for, well, first of all, you tell me how strict is it that three is the number. Do not you know, drift into more or is it a little flexible? How, how are you thinking about it? For me, I feel like three is a great number that I can remember. Three is a number that I can share with someone else. Three is manageable in my day. Now I could write 23 things on the list, Pete, but the challenge with that is then I become overwhelmed and we can become paralyzed with too many choices. Three things means I've diligently done the work in my 15 minute appointment to identify my top three. These are the three things that are going to strategically move me closer. Now, sometimes it means we may have to put something like a doctor's appointment on that list. We might have been putting up a checkup for months and months and months, but we have to, it's important to our health because if we don't have good health, then obviously we're not going to perform at work. It might be that you've got to do a performance review for one of your team members. We've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. But what happens is every time we put something off, every time we ask our brain to remember something else. It's like opening a new tab on the computer. And every time you ask your brain to do something, it opens a new tab. Well, the brain craves completion, Pete. And every time we complete something, our brain gives us like this little shot of dopamine, like a little high five from our brain, like, yay, Pete, good job, right? And so we need more of that. We need more of that momentum of completion. Choosing three things is manageable. Momentum of completion is an excellent turn of phrase. I'm I'm digging that. I like what you said about the doctor's appointment, but sometimes I think when I'm setting my three things, it's almost like the doctor's appointment is already scheduled. I sort of know that I'm I'm going to exit and and go to there. And so it, it almost feels like it doesn't count in the sense that it is a almost like a foregone conclusion that 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 is just going to occur, and so I almost feel like that it's it's cheating 
I don't I haven't earned that dopamine hit of completion goodness if I include such a thing. So I, I'd love for you to set me straight in, in terms of what is seems appropriate and sensible to put on there. Because I think some things you just know you're going to do. You know, it's like, I'm going to brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. Or even if you have other great habits, like, I know I'm just going to walk on the treadmill. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to make a healthy lunch. So that's awesome. Does that count? Do I get credit for that if it's already a habit? Like it's going to happen whether I write it or not. I think it's only going to get credit if it enhances a habit you have. So if you're going to walk on the treadmill and you've been used to walking and you like walking, but you want to challenge yourself to run, maybe what you think about is, can I turn this walk into the treadmill into running for half a mile and see how I feel? It's also about being able to enhance our performance, Pete. It's about helping every day for us to be stronger, better, to be able to have life with more excellence, with more fun, to be more thoughtful. So for example, the doctor's example might be, yeah, that might be a routine thing you do. But what the doctor might say to you is, okay, I need you to eat more green vegetables, or I need you to get your cholesterol in check, or I need you to manage your stress. And then what you want to think about is the thing that would go on the post-it note maybe the next day would be, okay, what are some stress management strategies I need to investigate? Could I invest 15 minutes of my attention finding a new app or uh, trying a new yoga pose or investing more time praying or in quiet time? And while I'm talking about some personal strategies, the same applies for professional strategies. But here's the thing. Attention is personal, professional, and global. The same person who goes home needs to turn up at work. We need to be the best version of ourselves. We need to be able to pay attention not only to other people, but we have to be able to pay attention to ourselves. I like those distinctions there in terms of, one, it's moving you toward a meaningful goal, and then two, it's an an enhancement. It's, It's making you stronger as opposed to, I guess, I guess, maintaining sort of status quo, habitual, how it is, the current level. It's sort of like you're moving into upgrade territory. And I think that's that's helpful in terms of saying what counts. But maybe even backing it up a little bit, for you to arrive at at three things that matter, uh, you need to get some clarity on the goals, the the sort of macro objectives and priorities that are worth pursuing. So what's your take on on doing that well? Well, think about if you're a listener and you want to get promoted, there might be activities that are going to get you more in line with the opportunity to promote it. For example, you may need to identify your successor. So who is the person you're going to train and upskill so that you could get promoted into a new role? You might have to become your own publicist and start to be able to communicate the evidence of why you'd be the great person to be promoted. Maybe you've got to start to enhance your skills by doing additional internal learning programs or external study. And so the beauty of knowing if your goal is to get promoted out work because you're awesome at your job. What you want to think about is what do I need to do to get promoted? What are the things that I have to improve, enhance, or educate? And so what you can then do is put those type of things on your list. And so it's for me, it's always about how can I have this saying that I want to be amazing and it's spelled A-H dash amazing. Because I want to wake up every day and go, ah, oh, that's amazing. I want to be an awe and wonder on a daily basis, whether it's serving a client, whether it's traveling somewhere new, or whether it's looking after one of my team. And every day I want us to think about how can we invest our attention at being even more amazing. And in your case, awesome, right? So how can we be more awesome at our jobs? We have to look for these things that we want to focus our attention on because time's going to happen whether we like it or not. Pete, you and I get the same 1,440 minutes in a day. You can't manage time, but you can manage your attention. Okay. I'm right with you there. 
Okay, final point on the three, and I'll move on. I'd like to get your take on, in terms of, we talk about time and the, the minutes we have available. I I'm, want to get your take on, when you establish the three, you want the, the momentum of completion. Great turn of phrase. I'm wondering, you just sort of don't want it to be too easy in terms of, hey, you know, these are three important things, but I'm going to, I can knock them out in 20 <laughs> minutes, bam. And you don't want them too hard because then you don't get the momentum of completion. It's just not getting done. So how do you think about calibrating that well? Well, I think it depends on your day. Sometimes, Pete, just the fact that we get to work out and eat a healthy meal and actually get to bed before midnight, that's a big day for some of us. Sometimes just getting that report to our boss or being able to answer all those emails or to get to every meeting on time, sometimes that feels like an achievement. So while it's hard to prescribe for people what is going to be easy or what is going to be hard, what I want you to think about is the question to yourself is, will this make me more awesome at my job? If it's going to make you more awesome at your job, then I think that's something that's worth investing in. Will it make you more awesome as a team member? Will it make you more awesome as a partner with people you share your life with? Will it make you more awesome in your community for the people that you stand in service of, whether it's your church, your temple, your parent-teacher community, your alumni? And I think with these three things, you know in your gut whether you are pushing yourself or not. Some days feel like survival, but some days feel like success. You get to choose. Okay, thank you. Well, so now let's, I'd love your take then when it comes to these disruptions, distractions that would take our attention away from where we want to, to put it. Maybe you could orient us a little bit in terms of what are some of the, the best approaches to keep your defenses appropriately operational so that you are not getting overwhelmed by distraction. I think we have to identify what the distractions are first, Pete. So some people, we feel like our devices are a distraction. And for many of us, they are. It's the notifications, it's the phone, uh, the ring, or it could be just the fact that we get a little bored and so we, by default, go check our Facebook status instead of paying attention in a meeting. So for some, distractions include our devices. For others, distractions could be that you constantly have people interrupt you in your cube or your office where people are constantly walking in saying, do you have a second? Do you have a minute? Do you have a second? Do you have a minute? It's never a second and it's never a minute. Other distractions can be ourself. We can be sometimes the worst at managing our own attention because we open up a website and then that takes us to another website, which takes us to another website. And then 20 minutes have gone by and we've achieved nothing. And so distractions can come in the form of technology. They can come in the form of our own head traffic, some of our fears, concerns, or stresses. The first thing we need to do is identify what those distractions are and then look to how to eliminate them. What I tend to use is some of my favorite tools. For example, one of my favorite apps is called Freedom. Freedom is an app that I can install on all of my Mac and my iPhone, which is a website blocking app, which means if I'm trying to get very dedicated, focused amount of activity done, or I'm writing a proposal, or I'm preparing a keynote speech, it literally blocks me out of websites. And it's really powerful because you can set it up for short or long periods of time. So I love using tools like that that will help me stay very focused. I also have an actual cover on my phone. And so what I realized was sometimes just seeing that something's happening on my phone was enough of a distraction. So I got an actual cover, which covers the screen. So there are little ways that you can become 
much more diligent in the way you manage your distractions, turning off every notification, closing windows you're not really using, being able to cover devices, maybe leaving things like your cell phone outside the meeting room so you can pay attention in the meeting. Maybe when you're driving, leave it in your bag or in the uh, glove compartment so that you're not actually tempted to check it. We have to think about the fact that if, for example, we have an office, could you occasionally shut the door and then tell the team when my door is shut, I'm trying to work on a project. If you don't have the luxury of an office in your particular workplace, could you use headphones in your cubicle and just say to your team, hey, if I have my headphones on, I'm just trying to get something completed. We've got to start to create strategies for this continual state of distraction we live in. Yes. I like that. And and any pro tips for communicating that to a boss or others who think that uh, they they sort of have the right to take your attention wherever they please? I think it's a conversation. You've got to be a grown up and you've got to say to your boss or your team member or your colleague that you really enjoy spending time with, in order for me to be really productive, there's occasionally times where I need to be hyper-focused. My way of being hyper-focused is by putting my headphones on or booking a conference room on another floor or coming in maybe 20 minutes later so I can sit at the local Starbucks and get my day really prioritized. But having agreements with your team and then being able to honor that, it's kind of like a do not disturb sign. And I have done this with manufacturing clients, with pharmaceutical clients, with media clients where they have created internal team versions of Do Not Disturb. So one of my media clients in New York, they have these little signs on the back of their chair and it's kind of like red and green. So if it's red and you walk up to their chair, that's their their internal version of Do Not Disturb. One of my pharmaceutical clients has these little soft cush balls that they sit on their monitor. And if you walk up to their monitor, they can see this little tiny soft cush ball, which is their internal do not disturb sign. And the team have become so good at not interrupting each other. We have to think through what's going to work for you and what's going to work for your team. Oh, I like that so much. This reminds me of Brazilian steakhouses with the red and the green. You oh, know, yeah, you, exactly. you, he's like, Same thing. <laughs> bring yes. me delicious meats versus no thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm satisfied for it. now. <laughs> love it. Very cool. Okay. So it's really fun how that does become sort of normative and uh, folks can all respect it. And then I suppose, you know, they will know, you know, if they, they need to, if there's a true emergency, you know, that requires uh, an overriding, you know, of the indicator. You know, one, one of my favorite things we talk about headphones is this might be overboard, but I like my Bose noise canceling headphones and then I have earplugs on inside them. <laughs> so oh, really? Yes. That's amazing. So no one can penetrate the sound barrier. <laughs> well, so it, it really is. Like sometimes I'll be startled like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, there you are. Uh, I had no idea. You know, so so that does happen sometimes. And and so and then it's sort of fun, like in terms of like, if you remove an earplug, it's kind of like, whoa, this guy. Well, you know, for, for better or for worse, I don't know what exactly the message that sends. I'll do, this guy is a freak. Oh, he's a real weirdo. And or, whoa, that dude was focused. Maybe I should uh, <laughs> you know, sort of carefully think if, if it's essential that I, that I interrupt this, this flow state. I think that we need to understand what works for us. It doesn't always work for everyone else. And we need to communicate more actively about where we need to be able to focus our attention and how others can help us as well. It does require brave grown-up conversations, but it will totally increase your productivity. Very nice. In terms of our overall capacity to pay attention, uh, I hear all these stats like our attention span has shrunk from 12 seconds to eight seconds. I still don't quite know how that's being measured. And I want to 
dig into that study one of these days. But uh, tell us, you know, what are some approaches to improve our very mental ability to pay attention? Well, let's just start with the fact that no one actually had evidence that our attention span is shrinking. No one had evidence that we have the attention span of a goldfish. I mean, who wants to be compared to a goldfish? It's crazy town. And every piece of research we tried to find where people were actually measuring true adult attention spans wasn't happening. And so I think what happens is, Pete, our attention is split. So we have to be aware that we are splitting our attention. And what that means is we have to then think about For us to really pay attention in a more profitable way, in a more productive way, in a more thoughtful way, we have to think about who's in front of us right now and how much of our attention do they need or deserve at that point in time? What really needs our attention and what do we need to do to be able to progress that particular task, activity or conversation? And then how are we going to show people how we're paying attention? Now, that could be the simplicity of looking someone in the eye when they're talking. It could be the simplicity of taking notes so that you don't forget what is being said. It might be the opportunity to ask a question to see if you really understand what the person is sharing with you. We've got to be able to be more diligent. My little five-year-old friend gave me the best lesson in this. If anyone has a five-year-old listening to this, you know what it's like to try and debate with a five-year-old. But my friend Donovan and I were in a very heated debate. And then at one point, he grabbed up to meet me. He was so annoyed. He and I were kind of discussing something. He thought I wasn't paying attention to him. He jumped up to meet me. He grabbed my tiny face and his tiny little hands and he turned it towards him and he said, Nee, listen with your eyes. He was five years old. I mean, that wisdom from a child has totally changed the way that I pay attention, where we have to show people we're listening with our eyes. Certainly. And so I'd love for you to just expand upon that. I guess that means that you're, you're looking at them and not sort of trailing off. And what else in extremely specific tactical terms? One of the things we found, there was a couple of studies that were done where people were experimenting with the device on the table and whether people trusted you if you had your device on the table, whether they felt like they were being valued. And so it was interesting in all these different research studies that we were looking at that people often trust you less, that they feel less important with you if they can see your device. And what they're thinking is there's someone else who needs your attention or you're going to default to your device instead of paying attention in that conversation. So we need to think about all of the uh, things that potentially pull on our attention too, whether it is maybe people work in an open plan office and so there's constant noise and smells and sounds and laughter and music and conversations all around us. Or maybe it is when we're meeting with someone, what's happening in the conference room as far as if we're letting someone dial in, do they really get our attention? Do we include them? Do we involve them? Listening with our eyes is not just the physical act of looking someone in the eye, but in a virtual world, we have to also think about when we reply to an email, Pete, do we really answer the question or the concern that was addressed? Did we truly listen to the webinar? Did we listen in on the teleconference and and provide an answer at the appropriate time? When you think about how much we don't pay attention It's fascinating. I think we live in a time where we are paying attention. We're just not paying attention to the right people, the right things, the right way. Interesting. I think that really gets you thinking in terms of just being intentional then with regard to, I think about these teleconferences where folks are not paying attention It's and you're advocating to pay full attention. 
it's sort of like that makes me think, oh, many of these teleconferences I, I shouldn't be in in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it means declining a meeting. So sometimes that's the best use of your attention. In the book, we talk about intentional attention. It's the choices we make and the actions we take. And I use the word leaders, whether you are yourself personally leading a team of people or whether you are a leader. As leaders, we have a responsibility to be intentional with our attention because it's intention that makes attention valuable. Okay. Well, Nian, tell me anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. We think we're paying attention, but we're not. And I just want to challenge our listeners going back to those three things. Can we pay attention to the right people the right things, the right way. Use that as a filter when you catch yourself not paying attention with intention. Okay, thank you. Well, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? I love when Oliver Wendell Holmes said, a mind once stretched by a new idea never regains its original dimensions. I love that. And tell me, have you found particular ideas stretched your mind a whole lot that you'd care to share here now? I think it probably goes to my favorite book, which is called The Thought Leader's Practice, written by Matt Church, who was an early mentor and now a business partner. In Thought Leader's Practice, he talks about how we can really demonstrate our ideas with visual tools and how we can position our expertise, whether we are internal corporate person or an external entrepreneur. So I think for me, it's this ability to show people what message you're trying to share with them. And I love contextual modeling. And that's something that I've become fascinated with. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? There's so many that I was looking at for my attention pays book. I found it really hard to narrow it down. What I think is really important if we want to be more awesome in the way we pay attention is that we become our own study and start to study ourselves on how we're showing up and how we're paying attention and then seeing how we can change that. So I don't have one particular one, but I am quite fascinated with how each of us pays attention to ourselves. So maybe we become our own study. And how about a favorite book? The Thought Leaders Practice by Matt Church. I'd probably go back to that one. That is definitely one of my favorites. And it's one that I go back to time and time and time again. And the other one that I love is on the completely different end of the scale is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Oh, yes. Thank you. And how about a favorite tool? I'd go back to two apps. One would be Freedom app I I mentioned earlier in the interview. And the other one would be Text Expander. It is one of my all-time favorites and I use it every day, multiple times a day. Completely agree. And they were also our first sponsor. So thank you to Text Expander. Yeah, they're amazing. Agreed. Agreed. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that helps you be awesome? I write thank you notes every day. So I find one reason to write one thank you note, whether it's while I'm traveling to housekeeping, whether it's a client that I've had the privilege of serving, whether it is a barista who's made me an amazing coffee, or whether it's someone that I really care about in my personal life. So I make sure that I write one thank you note every day. Oh, cool. And how long are these thank you notes? How long does it take? Do you have a a, a (laughs) system? Now, I do carry stamp stationery with me everywhere. So I always have them in my bag. I always have them at my desk and I have them in my car. So the system is keep stamp stationery with you all the time. And so does it normally happen in the morning or the afternoon or evening or kind of just whenever? I have a deal with myself. I don't go to bed until one's written. So sometimes it's a little bit messy late at night, but generally speaking, they happen throughout the day. All right. And is there a particular nugget, a piece that you share that tends to really resonate, connect with folks and gets quoted back to you? A Neen original piece of brilliance? 
listen with your eyes. Okay. And Nina, is there a particular place where you'd like folks to, to learn more or if they wanted to get in touch, where would you point them? There's only one Neen James online. So if you go to neenjames.com, you'll find everything you need and you can follow me on social media at Neen James. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their job? I want you to invest 15 minutes in an appointment with yourself. I want you to try this every work day. Identify your top three not negotiable activities before your head hits the pillow that night. Try it for one week. I guarantee your productivity will increase. Okay. Well, Neen, thank you so much for sharing this. It was fun to reconnect after some years and, and you're continuing to, to rock and roll and make a huge difference. So this was a lot of fun. Thank you. It was a privilege. Thank you for everything you do in the world. This podcast makes such a difference to people to allow them to be awesome at their job and pay attention to what matters. I got a kick out of Dean's 15-minute exercise, and I discovered that I could very quickly write a whole bunch of potential to-do list items in under one minute. But then that's not the hard part. The hard part, the part that takes the time in that 15 minutes is really making the tough judgment calls. It's like, okay, what's it going to be? What are the three that are worthy of that level of elevation? And why? And in so doing, it, I think it continually sharpens your sense of priority and goals and what's most important, not just for that day, but globally. And why are you making the decisions that you're making? And that does take a good bit of time. And it reminds me of whoever said it, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. It often takes more time to produce less because you're making the hard trade-off decisions and getting wiser as you do day by day. So I can see why that would be transformational, not just a, another to-do list approach, but a means of baking in time for getting continual clarity on what's most critical. So thanks, Neen. Hope you found that handy, everybody. If you go to awesomeatyourjob.com slash F282, you can check out the transcript and links and such. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. If you do so, you'll hear from our next guest. It is Charlie Ferrari. It rhymes. It's fun. And Charlie is talking about what you do with your mind in terms of your interpretation of events and resulting in resilience and and clarity and focus and self-knowledge. It, it's kind of profound and simple and heavy and yet can produce a lightness when mastered. So I think you'll enjoy that one. Until next time, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.